and welcome to Echoes of Glory, Season 9, Episode 14. I'm Jack, and today I'm joined by first-timer on Echoes of Glory, Toby. Hi, evening. Um, so, Toby, you're, um, you're in the podcast world as well. Yeah. Um, so, your podcast, Tapping Football. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about that. So, you know, what it is, how did it start, and how people could listen to it. Okay, so what it is, is... Um, I don't want to say it's your stereotypical football podcast because it's not. I feel like we had a bit of humour and we add quite a lot of um, quite a lot of information and depth on our podcast because I think um, we like to go into detail on some um, on some specific elements like maybe player statistics, how how many games X players gone without scoring, yeah. a team's expected goals, and so on and so forth. So. Um, we give you what you want to hear within the football. We just add a, a bit more information and a bit more humour to it as well. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's ran by myself and two of my um, close friends. Um, one's an Arsenal fan, one's a Man United fan. Mm-hmm. And a fun fact you may know is it used to be four of us. I have a twin brother who's an Arsenal fan. Yeah, I know. Oh, cool. that would have had twi- some division, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a twin brother who's an Arsenal fan. So... Um, he used to be part of it with us, but um, he no longer sort of has the time for it regularly. Mm-hmm. So um, now it's just literally myself and my two other uh, uh, friends. In terms of, oh, I'm trying to remember the second question. <laughs> so you, you talk about all, all parts of football, right? Yeah, so it's yeah, not yeah. focused on just one club. No, nah, no. Nah, so it's, the, it's, it's predominantly the Premier League. Sometimes we touch on the Champions League um, and sometimes we'll touch on other like European um, leagues as well and European teams, just based on any sort of notable mm notable issues or notable notable bits and pieces that have happened i.e. like when Inter finally went top of um, Serie A we just mentioned it briefly on our podcast yeah. like Borussia Dortmund um, playing playing um, Bayern Munich when they got trounced 4-0 mm. so it's just we like to just give um <coughs> We like to just give our views on any sort of notable events in football in general, but obviously we have um, specific focus on the Premier League. Yeah, fantastic. And um, we were just chatting a little bit off air, but how did it how did it come to actually starting a podcast? Um, yeah, so pretty much what I was saying off air. Uh, me and a few of my friends, we were just talking about football to the to the point where the people we were talking to didn't care about it. So they were like, <laughs> "Listen, why why are you saying this in here? Yeah. Why don't you just go start up a um, a channel or a podcast and and just say what you want to say freely?" Uh, we decided that maybe two and three quarter years ago, and um, since then, um, I, I wouldn't say that we get loads and loads of listens, but we get we get a, a decent amount that we're mm. proud of. So. Um, we were only on that what five, probably just under five hundred followers mm. on Twitter as well. So, it's something that we that we decided to do as a hobby, and hopefully, it's something that we can actually maybe inject a bit more um, consistency into. Mm. Not just in in uh, with regards to actually recording the podcast, but with regards to actually um, doing other activities in relation to the podcast yeah. to help our platform grow. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, and if people aren't listening to you, where can people find you? Uh, Spotify. If you search Tapping Football um, on Spotify, we're there. If you search Tapping Football, it's just one word. So T-A-P-I-N, football. Um, if you search that on SoundCloud, we're there as well. If you search that on iTunes, we're there as well. I think preferably I'd want you to listen to us on iTunes to give us a, a nice uh, five-star review. <laughs> um, yeah. So. Quality. Well, there you go. So check it out. Tapping football on uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify. So if you're not listening, subscribe and um, give it a listen. And uh, we hope you enjoy the rest of the show. So what I normally do when I have guests on for the first time is find out a little bit 
as to why you're a Spurs fan. So, yeah. how, how did it come about? Was it a family thing, friends thing? Like, why, why are you a follower of Spurs? Um, it definitely wasn't a family thing because we never used to go to many games. In fact, we didn't really go to any games um, when mm. we were growing up. Uh, and obviously, back when we were younger, around six or seven, um, obviously, my brother, he was in love with Arsenal and obviously, Arsenal were the in thing back yeah. then. Arsenal were... They were a proper force. Obviously, yeah. they're a shadow of that now, but they were a proper force. But me, I like Spurs. I like Spurs. Mm. I liked it. I liked a few of the players I saw. Um, I don't know why, but I weirdly even like those crappy Kappa kits that we used to have. The tight, <laughs> really ones, the tight like, ones, yeah. The tight shorts and the yeah. tight, the tight um, tops as well. So I just had such an affinity for Spurs back then. And I think as the years have gone by, like it's just intensified and intensified. Mm. I think primary school, I was like, yeah, um, I'm a fan of Spurs. So, and then... Secondary school was when I was like, yeah, like I'm a fan of Spurs, and college and uni was like, yeah, I'm a diehard yeah. fan for, for Tottenham. So yeah, it's um, it's been, it's been, it's been interesting. It's yeah, been an interesting couple of years. I really. mean, it must have been tough growing up with twin brothers supporting Arsenal when they were in there. You know, it was, that was their period, wasn't it, of dominance? That must have been extremely difficult. Yeah, it was. It was, but luckily for me, I've got to see them crash. Like, yeah, it's, it's been brilliant. Just. Watching their demise slowly but surely, it started in 2006 when they lost the Champions League final to Barcelona, somehow jammied um, top four out of our hands, Um, Lasagna Gate, we were aware of that, and um, yeah, ever since since then, um, I feel like it's been a gradual decline, I think back then at least they were still challenging for maybe a title and they were still forced to be reckoned with in the Champions League, but it's just been fun. Yeah, yeah. Their gradual decline, um, and each season they stoop to new lows, and I'm just happy that that it's all unraveling for them. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, I'm sure you've seen a number of really, really talented Spurs players. Are there one or two that stand out as like the best that you've ever seen? Oh, absolutely. Uh, for me, the best by a country mile is Luka Modric. I think oh, he, yeah. is, he is he easily my favourite um, player of the Spurs sort of generation and Luka Modric you could see the class from like mm. when he first joined and I think when he first joined he had a bed and period I don't think he was at his best I think he was still trying to familiarise himself with the league yeah. and I just I had no doubts I remember watching him in um, against England in the qualifiers when England lost that Wembley oh, yeah. and he just completely bossed that midfield and I'm like wow like we've actually signed this guy like yeah. we're actually We've actually secured um, the signing of Luka Modric because I think we signed him in January, um, in twenty January in two thousand and seven for him to join in um, June two thousand and seven. I'm like, like we've actually signed a player here. Like yeah. Arsenal wanted him. So many clubs wanted him, yeah. and he's just gone from strength to strength ever since he left Spurs. I felt he was a world class player at Spurs. Um, said it many many times. Like he dominated so many games. Um, Playing, whether it was playing with Scott Parker, Sandro, Huddleston, whoever you put, Palacios, whoever you put next yeah. to this guy, he would make them look so good. Yeah. So, yeah. What do you say? Because I, I still sometimes come across Spurs fans that say, oh, I, I never really saw it with Luka Modric. I don't know what he did. What do you say to those people? You must have not been watching the game because <laughs> we must have been watching two different games. You take out Luka Modric. Luka Modric was the fulcrum of our team, like the nucleus, the mm. brain. Like he made us tick. Like you would know Modric is playing when. He, 
you had Lennon on on the right and Bale on the left and Modric just the outside boot on his left on his weaker on his weaker foot and he's pinging a thirty yard pass on yeah. the floor to to Gareth Bale because he knows where Gareth Bale is going to be he knows the weight of pass that he has to that he has to um, make just to beat the defender and literally put it on a sixpence for for Bale to just run into and yeah. then, and get across in so he's he's a marvelous player and I'm just happy. It's a shame that he had to leave us. I know, obviously, he left us under under um, unfavourable circumstances. He was moaning, complaining. Obviously, he wanted to leave the year before. Then yeah. he made him a promise. If you don't join Chelsea, you can leave the season after, blah, blah, blah. And um, I think a lot of fans are still um, salty about what happened back then. And to a certain extent, they have every right to be. But mm. for me personally, I, I'm, I love the player. And I'm just yeah. happy that the player has gone on to actually be like one of the best players of his generation and I think it's only I felt I felt like it's sad but I felt like it almost had to take him going to Real Madrid for people to actually see what we as Spurs fans yeah. saw for years and years that like this guy standout player yeah. standout player and a real Spursy player as well you know like playing with a style playing with a bit of swagger yeah. like he was a fantastic was player and I remember when he first went to Madrid actually because he struggled initially because yeah. they were playing him quite high it's like almost in a 10 position they I weren't even watching play- him yeah yeah Jose Mourinho <clears throat> Jose Mourinho put him because I think back then Jose Mourinho obviously had his man in Mesut Ozil so mm. Ozil was undroppable um, so um, Luka Modric just had to ride the bench because you had Jabby Alonso in midfield and I can't remember who his partner was at the time but they played like a 4-2-3-1 and <clears throat> he struggled for game time yeah. and I remember saying it to my because my brother um, he was taking the, the, the mickey out of Luka Modric because I remember the same season him and Alex uh, Modric and Alex Song both joined Real Madrid and Barcelona respectively mm. And they got voted, Marco, Marco voted them the worst signings of the season. I hmm. remember that article vividly, came out probably around January, yeah. voted him. And I said, I said, I said, that may be the case for Alex Song, because I already know Alex Song's level. I thought he was a good player at Arsenal, but not elite. Yeah. I said, that, is, that isn't the case for Luka yeah. Modric. I was adamant. I said, this guy is going to be a success at Real Madrid. He just needs game time. And um, I remember he came on as a substitute um, against... Uh, Man United at Old Trafford and came on, changed the game for them and scored mm. an absolute screamer. Oh yeah, uh, from outside the box. From outside the yeah, box, yeah, yeah off the post. And and I told my brother the season after that because I think the season after that um, was Ancelotti's first season. And I said, I said, mark my words, this guy is going to be a linchpin for Real Madrid. Mm. He's going to take, he's going to take Jabby Alonso's spot. He's the heir to Jabby Alonso. My brother said, no, it's going to be Ilari Mendy because I remember they signed Ilari Mendy for thirty eight million. He's the heir to Alonso. Yeah. He's the one that's going to be dictating things from midfield I said no chance it's going to be Luka Modric mm. and they won the Champions League with a pivot of um, Alonso and Modric and Modric was their standout player that year and from then on he's been brilliant yeah I mean it's not a bad midfield player to have that is it Honestly, Alonso and Modric That's it's not, not bad I could go on for days but yeah. I just love him I, um, any other players that you've, that you've seen that stand out as like that kind of level uh, obviously goes without saying Gareth Bell yeah. um, he's one um not, he wasn't at that level, but I loved Roman Pavlichenko. I just absolutely... Oh, interesting. I loved him as a striker. Like, he... There were games where he flattered to deceive, where he was lazy, but his technique with striking a ball was mm. second to none in our in our team. I think only Jermaine Defoe... Only Jermaine Defoe could hit a ball as yeah. hard as he could. Um, left foot, right foot. He scored some absolute screamers for us. And he scored some important goals as well. Um, 
he he scored. He came on and scored the second goal that effectively took us to the uh, League Cup final back in two thousand and eight, mm. two thousand and nine for Harry. He scored um, that rocket of a goal against um, young boys away from home. Oh, that was a big goal yeah, as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, scored against um, Inter Milan in the Champions mm. League as well. He was just one of my favourite players. Yeah. I, I was gutted that I was gutted that he had to leave, but I sort of accepted it. And there was another player I just mentioned there in the list, Jermaine Defoe. I think Defoe's one of the most underrated players that, that's played for Spurs. Like a real, real clinical finisher. Yeah. Um, at a time as well when Spurs weren't particularly that great as well, like Defoe was still getting consistent goals. He's yeah. an excellent footballer. Yeah, his problem, his problem, Defoe's problem was that he would, um, he was the type to score like twelve goals in in eight appearances and then go missing for like a yeah. whole two three months. He did that time and time again, but. In that period where he's scoring twelve goals in eight games, he was electrifying. Like yeah. he was, he could score all types of goals. He could carry the ball, beat two, three players, and slap it top bins. He could be at the end of the move, and he could just get you at the edge of the box, commit the fullback or defender, just cut in and just bang it top, mm. top bins or, or bottom corner. And he left foot, right foot, like the foot was, he was class. And he had the. Um, his strength as well for someone that small, like yeah. deceptively strong. Yeah. Uh, he had that. He had that sort of low centre of gravity around him. Like he could sort of like carry the ball at speed. Yeah, he was. He was. He was a class player. He was good. Um, yeah. One of my favourite Jermaine Defoe goals is we beat City at home, uh, and he's got company one. squared up, and he just one. just drops the shoulder and yeah. bang back yeah. of the net. Yeah. Yeah. Clinical, yeah. absolutely class. clinical, absolutely class. Um, and he's got. He's he had a few um, quality assists as well. I remember. Um, I'm trying to remember the game. I think it was Arsenal. Arsenal, I remember that 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 week we had a big week. We had to play I think we had to play Arsenal midweek and then we had to play Chelsea on the weekend. Uh, I, I know and, the goal you're gonna yeah, talk about as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um he was the one that, that um that held off I can't remember which Arsenal defender it was, and played in a brilliant pass to Gareth Bell. Yeah. Um and obviously Gareth Bell makes it two 0 And he did the same thing um for Gareth Bell, probably a few years later when we got our first ever win at Old Trafford in God knows how long. Mm. I remember we won that game 3-2. The foe holds the ball up again and um, puts a ball into Gareth Bell into the box. He smashes it. The mm. hair saves it. And then Clint Dempsey, Dempsey gets there the rebound, the yeah. So He was a quality player for us. Yeah. I, I, I won't hear anything else. He was a quality player. I could go on for days. I had yeah. Robbie Keane in there, Harry Kane, Ledley King, but... Oh, Ledley's one of my favourites. Yeah. There's never a discussion about a best Spurs player and Ledley King's name doesn't come oh, he up. Was class, always. He was class, man. He was class. He defended with one knee. He literally... <laughs> yeah. He was so good. He was so good that they had to they had to shoehorn him into the England setup. He, they had Ferdinand, mm. Terry, um, Campbell. And I remember Euro, Euro 2004, Sven. He had to shoehorn him and play in central defensive midfielder because he was that good that you couldn't leave him yeah. out of the team. It's amazing, so, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and what about best Spurs goals that you've seen? Oh God, we could be here for days. Um, <laughs> ooh, uh, the Luka Modric one against Liverpool. I love that. Oh one. yeah, edge of the box, edge of the yeah. box, curler. Um, Jermaine Defoe, he's got so many. Um, Jermaine Defoe against Arsenal years back. I remember we lost that game. I think it was five four. Five we lost four, that. yeah. He scored quality goal. Um, Robbie Keane against Chelsea, the four four. Oh, yeah. brilliant goal again. Um, Dimitar Berbatov I'm trying to remember oh, which goal it was uh, he I think it must have been was it Charlton no. uh, this is an away game right yeah played up the line and he sort of swerved outside of the foot runs past the defender smashes him out of the way yes Charlton 
Yeah, I think, was, I think it was Charlton. And then, um, obviously, one of the most recent ones, probably four... Uh, yeah, just under four years ago, Harry Kane's goal against Chelsea, I thought that was quality mm. at White Hart Lane. Um, they thought they were going to come in, beat us. Luck, funnily enough, it was Jose Mourinho's Chelsea who, yeah. came, who came by. They went one luck, <coughs> thought everything was all fine and dandy. Then Harry Kane beats two players and puts it bottom corner. So there's loads, there's loads of goals. There's what about that, the Sun one at the weekend against Burnley? Oh, that was a, that was yeah, a phenomenal a goal. Freakish phenomenal goal. goal. So um, I, I even forgot that one as yeah. well. So that's, that's up that's there. Too. I mean, there's some great goals in yeah. there. And what about best football match you've been to? It doesn't necessarily have to be a Spurs game if it is great. But what's the best game you've ever been at? Uh, without a doubt, it has to be the the Man City Champions League game last oh, year at yeah. the Etihad. That was oh, um, you were you were yeah, yeah amazing. Yeah, that was a mental game, absolutely mental game. I went to the Ajax one afterwards, but um, I actually travelled to Amsterdam, but I couldn't get a ticket in the end. Yeah. I didn't really want I didn't really want to be paying like eight hundred pound for the semi final yeah, yeah, ticket. So, um, but I went out there anyway. But the Man City, the Man City one at the Etihad, that was class. Yeah, absolutely class. Like. Craziest game I've ever been to. Seven goals, VAR, like some quality goals as well. Sunny's yeah. second goal was superb. Um, yeah, I bet was, you were going mad in the away end when he went 2 1. Right? Oh, the scenes hell, must have been. The scenes were yeah. honestly unreal. Like the, emos- the emotional roller coaster that we were put through yeah. that night was incredible. That When Raheem Sterling thought he scored that goal at the end, I, I kid you not, everyone was shell shocked. Like, yeah. I, saw, I saw people close to tears. And then you just see that VAR oh. sign come up and you're just praying, your yeah. heart's beating. And then they say no goal and it's just like, ah, oh, flipping hell, oh. what a day. I wish I could replay that moment yeah. over and over again. It was but people say, don't they, some pundits say that that's the best, one of the best Champions League games ever. I mean, there's Istanbul, right, as the final, which is probably the yeah, most iconic. But in terms of games that have everything... That game literally had it all. Yeah, uh, it, it, it was did. just bonkers. It did. absolutely bonkers. It did. It did. Yeah. It had it had elements of the new game in when you when you look at VAR. Yeah, it had elements of counter attacking football when you saw the goals that we scored. It had um, elements of just a team at the peak of their powers in Man City. The way they suffocated us when it was four. I think when they went four four two up when Aguero scored that goal. I've never been in a situation like that before in a game of football where there's you're you're just completely powerless. Yeah. Like sometimes I've been in I've been funnily enough I've been in that ground where we lost six 0 I remember that mm. game, but that was just we were just poor. Mm. This one we're trying and there's nothing we can yeah. do because they have all the ball. As soon as we get it, they take it back off us. It's just wave after wave. It's relentless after wave. in that. Yeah, and and that's why looking back at that game, I'm just. It, it, it's actually incredible that we've come out of there and we've still got yeah. through. So it's, 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 it's crazy. It was amazing. That, 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 those two games as well, because we played them at, at White Hot Lane and beat them 1-0 in the first leg. Oh, that was and we were well. so good. Like We really stopped them attacking. They didn't yeah. look like scoring. And then like a week later, they could have scored 15. Like yeah. It was just, it was a bonkers game. I mean, what an experience to say that you were there for that. I mean, oh, that it was, was brilliant. Incredible. It was brilliant. Absolutely incredible. That Champions League one was just magical as well. And, um, Funnily enough, when we drew Man City, I said instantly, yeah, we're out. It's been mm. fun while I started, we're out. But yeah, but on the day, on the day of the fixture, I looked at the lineup, and obviously it's our first Champions League match, and you could just tell there was something in the air. Yeah. There was something in the air. And yeah. I even told my friend, I, was, I told my friend to take it, because back then I was on crutches. I told my friend, yo, take a photo of me next to the sign, because outside the stadium, you had like, it had like road to Madrid or something like that. Yeah. I said, take a foot, take a photo of me because we're actually going to Madrid. So I want to yeah, remember yeah. this photo because like, this was it was yeah. on this day. I said, 
we're going to be in Madrid. And lo and behold, we actually, we we actually went to, to, to Madrid. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. And, and speaking of brilliant performances in games, I mean, it brings us on nicely to the Burnley match at the weekend, which was an absolutely fantastic performance. I mean, 5 0. We did a preview last week on the podcast and we were saying that we were actually a little bit nervous going into it. I, mm. I thought it, was, it had the capability of being a really ugly, scrappy game where sort of just two teams are scared to lose. Burnley are always a pretty defensive team, difficult to play against, very physically strong. But I mean, we made them look like a Sunday league side. We were just absolutely yeah. devastating in that first half an hour. Yeah, we were. But I think, to be honest, um, not to take any credit away from us, but I think they made themselves look like a mm. Sunday league side. They were just so bad. One of my friends, um, he's a Burnley fan. He was down for the weekend and he was obviously in the away end. And he said it as well. Like, it, it was just dreadful. Like some of the, They were just inex- inexplicably giving the ball away. Yeah. And they, were, they, they played like a team who weren't called Burnley. Like, they played like a team who were so open, wanted to take us toe-to-toe. It was mm. never going to work. Like, if you... It sounds bad saying this, but, like, if they stuck to their, their usual principles, normal Burnley, you would have you would have had a better chance of getting a result because everyone knows yeah. that Spurs, we struggle against the deep block. We struggle against the mm. deep block, no matter who we're playing. So... You played right into our hands by making it an open sort of contest, a tit for tat game. Yeah. So um, it was quite surprising as well to, to see it. But I mean, the spaces we created, especially in the first half an yeah. hour, were just. I mean, we really should have been six or seven oh, at yeah, half time. Absolutely. Like the score, even five nil, probably flattered Burnley. It did. Um, but they missed. But they also missed like two glaring chances, mm. which. I know we're probably going to speak about our defence in a bit, but it's just like, we can never have a perfect game. We no. always have to give the opposition... Um, it's always nervy chances. as well, isn't it? Like, even yeah. at 3 or 4-0, you're still thinking, mm. oh, if they get one, what's going to happen? Yeah. Um, what do you think Jose's changed the most since he's, since he's taken over as manager? Um, I don't think he's changed... I don't think he's changed a lot. I think he's just... I think he's done the opposite. I think he's tried to make... He's tried to... In fact, let me not lie, he has changed something. We didn't really have stability in our starting lineup, mm. um, starting lineup, should I say, in just the, the names of the team sheets as well, the formations. Mm. I think that's the one thing he's changed. He's brought a bit more stability. I don't like Jose Mourinho. I think I, I'm mm. firmly of the opinion that he shouldn't have got the job in the first place. Even before he was linked with the job, I said, I do not want... I, I'll take anyone over this guy. That's, that's how much I didn't, that's how much I didn't what's want that? What's that based on? What is it about him you don't like? Um, I don't like his arrogance. I used to like his arrogance before. I used to love him as a manager when he was actually... When he had the... the um, there was not, the, not the word I'm looking for shouldn't be results. When he actually had the... The evidence to back up his arrogance, mm. he hasn't got that anymore. Um, I don't like the way he manages players. I think his man management is shocking. I can see that he's trying to change that now with Tottenham. He's on a charm offensive. He's saying all these things to pander to, to us yeah. as fans. He's putting his he's putting he's put his arm around players like Ali. He's waxing lyrical about how much he loves Son. He's coming out the other day saying how much how Lacelso will be a big player for us. He's coming out the other day saying Sessignon could be the next Ashley Cole. Um, but if I rewind 18 months ago, he was openly criticising the likes of Marcus Rashford, mm. throwing Pogba under the bus, throwing Martial under the bus. Uh, it's a very angry man. Yeah. He was a very angry man. He doesn't look angry right now, but I'm going to give it time. I'm not going to be fully invested on Jose yet. I'm 
for me, he's guilty until proven innocent. So, <laughs> I know, yeah. so he's guilty until proven so innocent. Do you think it's more of a, a temporary thing? And this, this new Jose that has come in at Spurs so far and has been an absolute joy in, in everything we've done, you think that's a temporary thing? I, I think that's a temporary thing, but I'm happy to be proven wrong. I want to be proven wrong. I want to be wrong. Yeah. I desperately want to be wrong because if I'm wrong, that means we're doing well. Yeah. That means players want to stay. Play, new, new players want to come to our club and the club are generally successful. Mm. So I'm praying yeah. to God that I'm wrong. But if it's anything like the Jose Mourinho that we've seen in the past four or five years, I don't want that at Tottenham. Mm. I don't want that at Tottenham. People are saying, oh yeah, he'll, he'll win you a League Cup. But at what cost? At what cost? Is it worth it? Mm. For me, it's not. Where were you at when Pochettino got sacked? Did you think that was a good decision or did you think that was the wrong thing for us to do? I always think it's the wrong decision, but I'm speaking from a fan's perspective. So mm. Pochettino is like a second father to me. It sounds <laughs> corny, but he was like a second father to me. So like his sacking was always going to leave a bad taste in my yeah. mouth. So if you ask me whether it's a good move or a bad move, I'm going to be bi- incredibly mm. biased. I even said, to, I even said I'd, I'd happily finish 10th right off the season if it meant that we could give him more time in the summer mm. to, um, to, 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 to bring back some of the stability into our team and just, re, just refresh a couple bits and pieces. But when you take the emotion away from it and you look at it from a chairman's point of view, I can completely understand why Danny mm. Levy did it. Yeah. At the start, I didn't. I was angry, I was furious, Danny Levy out. I'm still questionable as to why Daniel Levy has decided to invest all this money into Jose Mourinho. Looks like he's going to invest all this money to um, Jose in um, in January in the summer as well. My only question to you, Levy, is where was this money in mm. the season prior to that when Pochettino needed players? Mm. When you sold Dembele in January and you didn't bring anyone in, even though you knew we were still in the Champions League, you knew that we were still within touching distance of the top two, um, you didn't bring anyone in. And... It, it, it's, it's stupid it's, it's mismanagement of a, of a team by Daniel Levy there but I can completely understand why he got rid of Pochettino in the end of the day this was a run stretched back to to Burnley um, when we lost there at um, Turf Moor we wretched away form yeah. I think we had something like he had like 25 25 points from like 26 or 25 games that's relegation yeah, form so yeah. um as legendary as I think he is for, for Spurs fans and for the club, I can completely understand why Danny Levy mm. did it. In the end of the day, he's looking, at it, he's looking at it from a business point of view. And if you can... <clears throat> and another way to look at it as well, which my friend, uh, my friend Warren, he actually... Because I calmed down and he actually like, sort of talked talk me through it. Because yeah. at the start of the season, before there was any, any um, discontent with Levy and Poch... At the start of the season, I felt that Pochettino was moving very erratic, and some of the things he was saying, mm. some of the, some of the, yeah, just his gen- his press conference, he just seemed like an angrier guy. He was making mistakes after mistakes after mistakes in mm. all our fixtures. Whether it was a mistake with the starting lineup, mistakes with the selections, I'm not saying he's the one that's solely to blame because I yeah. think it's a joint thing. I think players massively underperform, and like I said, the Daniel Levy, um, even though the, our summer transfer window was good here. Um, I also felt that some of the damage was done from the season before when you didn't bring in fresher yeah. faces back then. So it's a collective responsibility. But um, he underperformed. Yeah. Ultimately, the manager is the one that's going to that's gonna have to bear the, the, the brunt. The players aren't going to be sold. You can't yeah. get rid of an entire squad. So it's obviously the manager that is always going to be the casualty. And from Danny Levy's perspective, if you have this guy who's becoming more and more agitated, more and more erratic, mm. he looks like he's going to be off at the end of the season... 
why wait until the end of the season on the off chance that he stays to back him mm. when you can bring in a manager and who has considerably much more pedigree than, than Pochettino. I don't like Jose Mourinho, but I'm not going to lie here. He's a, he's a legend. He's yeah. arguably the, the best manager of his generation. So if you have the opportunity to bring him in, um, steady the ship, and make an actual assault for top four and salvage the season and um, try and progress as far as you can in Champions League, you're going to do it. Because from a financial perspective, mm. that makes the most sense. Yeah, I think that's really articulately put. And I think the point you make about a lot of Spurs fans were happy to almost write the season off. Yeah. It says a lot, doesn't it, about the connection between fans and a manager that you'd, but you'd happily go from a Champions League final to finishing mid-table yeah. just to keep a guy. Yeah. There aren't many clubs and managers that... I can think of where fans would be like, yeah, I'd be happy to do that. It says a lot about Pochettino. Yeah, it does. But then it also says a lot about our fans because you could easily call me stupid for that because you're thinking, so you want to jeopardise our entire season yeah. for, for one man. And it's true. It's a selfish It's a selfish thing to want. But when in, in the height of emotion, you normally get that. You get that selfish and you say ludicrous things like that. And I still mean it to this yeah. day. But it's just, it's incredibly selfish at yeah. the same time because... This is a guy who was linked with Real Madrid, flirting with other clubs all summer. There was a report that came out that said he was openly disappointed that he was not given the Man United job as well. So we all knew that this could potentially be his last mm. season. We knew that. In fact, I said it on numerous occasions to my friends that I think he's gone at the end of the season. I think a Real Madrid or, um, a Real Madrid or Bayern Munich are going to come yeah. in for him. Because I predicted that Nico Kovac would be sacked and Zidane, I think he might go as yeah. well, depending on how things go this season. So, Yeah, and it's interesting as well. With, when a manager gets sacked, often that means that his sort of stock is at its lowest point, right? But with Pochettino, he's been sacked after a horrific start of the season, yet all the top sides still want him. So, you know, he's, he's obviously held in such a high regard yeah. in the footballing world yeah. that that can happen. You know, look at what's going on with the other lot down the road in sacking Emery mm. and all of a sudden nobody would, nobody would touch Emery now Whereas everyone wanted it says it all yeah. Um, yeah. I just think it's a, it's a very <laughs> unique situation that Poch finds himself and you never know one day he might come back and manage us again and that would, I be, would, love that that. would be pretty I would amazing. absolutely love that my dream my dream my idol scenario is uh, I can't change anything with him mm. I don't like him but he's here so I've got to like it a yeah. little bit um, I'm going to lump it for now. So. Think, and also, as like you said earlier, if, if he wins us trophies and gets us at a good level, you know, we, we'll all be happy with that, yeah, right? of course, of course. If he gives me a reason to be happy, yeah. I'm not going I'm, I'm to go against him. Yeah. But until that happens, I'm going to go against him. <laughs> I think, I think that his results were massively overstated at Man United. I think he had a poor first season at Man United, um, the Premier League. He basically... He knew there was no chance of him getting top four, mm -hmm. so he basically abandoned that and focused on the Europa League, which is smart, but they limped to a Europa League win. Mm -hmm. um, they should have been knocked out by Celta Vigo. Um, <clears throat> um, it was only in the final, probably the final, where he had his best performance. Yeah, yeah. I think they nullified a good Ajax side too. I think the League Cup as well, I, I know you're, you're probably saying should have, could have, would have, he won it, but in the League Cup, they were dominated by Southampton. Um, Gabbiadini should have had a hat trick. He had yeah. a goal disallowed yeah, that game as well. That was if VAR was was in existence, that would have mm. stood. Um, there were so many factors to it that that sort of exaggerated the time he had at Man United. He, mm. he he had people believing that his achievements with Man United is the greatest achievement ever to finish second. No, it's not. You finished like thirty something points behind mm. behind Man City. Um, fair enough. You got some good 
results against the rest. So he beat us, he beat Chelsea, he beat Liverpool. Cool. I'll give him his dues. But in that campaign as well, David De Gea massively spared his blushes. Mm. A couple matches as well. And then the third season, complete disaster. Complete yeah. disaster. Falling out of players, results pear-shaped. Um, deterioration with the, the board. Demanding players like Perisic and Willian. And you're just, look, you're just seeing all this stuff unfold and you're just thinking, why would I want this mess at my club? Yeah. And you've got to ask yourself, why did no other big team come in for him? He's an interesting one, Jose, because he, he guarantees two things, doesn't he? He guarantees his trophies, because everywhere he's gone, he's won. We say that. Is, do you think he's going to win a trophy at Spurs? I think he will. I hope he does, I but I don't think he will. I, I have a little bit more belief now that in those massive moments, those semi-finals, those finals, that he might just be able to get us over the line. Because it's not been a question of we're miles away from winning something. Yeah. We're, in, in the last six or seven years, we could have probably won three or four trophies. It's just getting over that line. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does give me confidence that he has the tactical awareness and ability to maybe just just be the difference because we've still got a good squad right this is a squad that got to a Champions League final you know yeah. you, you, you know, you can't fluke your way to a final um, especially in the Champions League so we've still got the foundations of a good side I hope that he can make the difference but he'll, he'll guarantee you that he'll also guarantee you that he'll end in tears and it'll be an absolute mess because again everywhere he's been that's how it's finished but if I was to say to you you'll get both of them would you take that? I think of I course, probably would I would love that I would absolutely love that. And Poch can come back and clear it all up in yeah. three and a half years. Time. I would love if he can. As I said, for me, his mark. I'm not gonna be. I'm not. I'm not gonna be one of these happy clappers who are who are getting gassed off the the results. Um, I don't. I don't even blame him for that loss against yeah. Man United. Um, but his mark at our club is not gonna be determined by these five games for me. It's gonna be determined by the body of work he can get through over a year or two, mm. whether he can get us back into the Champions League um, <coughs> spots, whether he can get us solidified as the third best team in the UK, because I think squad-wise we are. Mm. I've said that at the start of the yeah. season and I'm sticking to it. I think if you look at our squad from top to bottom, there are a few areas where we're, we're declining, but generally speaking, that's a top-notch squad. Yeah. And like especially said, going forward. I mean, that's front four. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and um, you got the playmakers as well. So like, it's just the the players are there. Mm. Yeah, like yeah. you said, it's not. It doesn't. I don't think it will take a huge effort for us to win a trophy because I think we've been close. Like you said, we've been close to a trophy for the past three, four years now. So if you can get us over the line, boy, he'll have my yeah. he'll have my respect. And it's not to say that I think he's an awful manager. He, I still think he's a good manager. I just don't think he's in that he's in that elite status anymore he has the elite legacy but in terms of elite coaching nowadays I don't think he's in that bracket anymore okay. um, tomorrow night we're playing Bayern Munich so really I mean that home game was the the beginning of the end for Poch the, the 7-2 demolition yeah. um, which could have been significantly more than 7 as well yeah. it's a horrific game um, what type of side do you want to see us put out tomorrow because it's a bit of a dead rubber you know we can't catch Bayern it's, it's just sort of pride really that's on the line so what type of side would you like to see us put out um i'd like to <clears throat> i'd like to see us put out an exuberant side a side who are gonna go there with no fear and just just play yeah um obviously harry kane sung young men ali they've started every single match that um Mourinho has managed so I think this will be the perfect opportunity to give them a rest yeah I think he said today he's going to rest Kane which is yeah, good. yeah well yeah Kane 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 Ali 
Serge Aurier and Jan Vertonghen, all four haven't travelled. Um, <clears throat> obviously, Sung Yeo-min, Lucas Moura, you want to have them on the bench. You want to have some security mm. in case things look like they could get ugly. Yeah. <clears throat> but generally speaking, um, defence, I want to see Danny Rose, I want to see Kyle Walker-Peters, um, I want to see Tanganga, and I want to see one of Sanchez or Alderweireld. I mm. want to see Tanganga start. I want to see one fourth come on as a substitute as well. Mm. Um, midfield, obviously, he said he's going to play skip, so it'll be good to see him play. I don't really rate skip that highly, I mean, but... What a night for skip. Bayern Munich yeah. in the Champions League. Yeah. It's a big moment, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's an interesting one with skip, isn't it? Because we've seen glimpses... And there's been the odd game. I, I remember watching him in his debut. We beat Burnley one 0 at home in league league match at Wembley, um, and he was he looked pretty good. I'm still not quite convinced on exactly what type of midfielder he is. Yeah, it's he always, doesn't it's he doesn't one. he doesn't look like a um, doesn't look like a playmaker as such. But he doesn't look like a dyer. He maybe just is a little bit of a Scott Parker mould. I think he's like um, obviously he's <coughs> not obviously he's not he's nowhere near as good as Jorginho. But I think he's like one of those sort of registers. So he's not... He's someone who can break up play, but he's someone who wants to progress the game mm. from deep. Um, I watched him against Leicester last year when we... when we um, God knows how he won that game yeah. as well, the 3-1. Um, he, was, he was poor. He was dreadful. Mm. Um, he got hooked off at... I can't remember what time he got... What, what time he got substituted. But whenever I've watched him play, he's just looked so ordinary. Mm. Uh, I'm just thinking, how are you going to make it at Tottenham? Mm. Because... Our main issue has always been creativity from deep ever since Luka Modric left. So we can't afford to be carrying any of these sort of um, regular uh, central midfielders. We want to have yeah. some ample quality in that position, especially coming through the academy as well. It's going to be difficult. But I saw him against Juventus. He was good. I saw him mm. against Bayern. He was good. He got stuck in. He won the ball back. And when he passed, he passed forward. He passed mm. with a purpose. So, um, simplicity. Oh, sim- really? yeah, yeah, simplicity. But even some of the forward passes, like he, he even made a there was a there was a pass he made against Burnley as well. It's, it's little things like that that encourage me that maybe yeah. this guy is that. This guy is actually working on his game. Like he's he's not just passing sideways. He's actually looking to pass forward, like through balls. He had a through ball against um, who was that team that we smashed seven 0 in the FA Cup last year? Oh yeah, was it Tranmere? Yeah, Tranmere. Tranmere. Yeah. yeah. So he had a through ball to I think it was either Son. I can't remember who it was. Mm. Uh, it was either, it was either an assist or a pre-assist, and I'm like, this is what this is. Yeah. Okay, so now I can see maybe maybe now I can see what they what the people at our end seeing you. So. Mm. I'd like to see him play, and I'd like to see... Hopefully um, Celso as well. That would be yeah. great to see him get a proper yeah. run out. Him, Sessegnon, Celso, um, Parrot. I think he's got a yeah. big future at Spurs. So I want to see them play. Yeah. But I also want to see some responsible um, some responsible players on the pitch as well. I think mm. Sissoko, I want to, I want to see mm. him play as well. What do you think of Sissoko? Are you a fan? I'm a fan. I never used to be a fan. Anyone who knew me two years ago... The, the last thing I'd be saying is, oh, I'm a huge Sissoko fan, yeah. but he's come on leaps and bounds in the past year and a half, and I think I think he deserves a lot more credit than he mm. than he gets from our fans. Our fans still think that he's the same old Sissoko who can't pass a ball, who can't, um, who can't progress play and so on and so forth. But if you look at the way this guy plays now, he's clearly... Um, worked on several elements of his game. I think his first touch is significantly better. I think his passing is significantly better. I think the only issue with Sissoko is, obviously, his shooting is so wayward. Yeah. I know he scored yeah, yeah. twice. His shooting yeah. is wayward. And at times, 
someone of his someone of his physicality and his ability to carry the ball take the game by the scruff of its neck like come and receive the ball from deep and just drive yeah you have the ability to do that so do it that was something that he was scared to do against man united he had a stinker of a game against man united but i think he's i think he's just about a good player i think mm. right now for me he's better than harry winks mm. um, i like harry winks again you most people say i'm 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 um, overrating Tottenham players, but I like both of them. I think they're both mm. good players, but I don't think right now they're good enough to be starters for mm. for Spurs. But with Sissoko, I think it's a marriage of convenience in the sense that we don't have a top defensive midfielder and we don't have anyone who offers us the energy and industry he does in midfield. So I feel mm. like for that reason, that reason only, he should be a permanent fixture mm. in our team until we get a defensive midfielder who can do their job properly. Yeah. But... It seems Jose Mourinho fancies Eric Dyer, so... Um. Uh, it's, it's an interesting one, midfield, because we've all sort of said for a while it's a bit of a problem area. I'm a big Dyer fan. I think that he's How? got... <laughs> I, I used to be. I used to be. I like Eric Dyer, but I just don't think he's good enough for Spurs anymore. I think he needs somebody alongside him that's composed and can properly play. And I think if we can go back to him and his job in the middle of the park being, win the ball back, give it simple... That's the for me. That's the best Eric Dyer. Him trying to get on the ball and uh, yeah, yeah I, and and that's when he struggles. Like you see him get caught in possession against teams where they get a lot of bodies around him quickly. It's not really his game receiving the ball for the back four and trying to get us to play. It, it, it doesn't suit him. It's those bullish games like the Burnley game at the weekend where it's going to be a battle and a fight and you need a bit of muscle and a bit of toughness in there. That I think it, he really excels. So I think if you could marry him up with somebody that can really play like I think that could be like yeah, yeah. And, and, I'm, I'm going to think back to when Dembele was here I mean you know like those two in the middle were excellent I've said quite a lot this season well the last year really about Harry Winks that I think he's an alright player I think if you if he's starting 30 35 league games a season for you I don't think you're going to get top four I think he's got Good attributes, but I think there are quite a few games where he seems to go missing. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's poor. I think he's a good squad player for us to have. Um, I he, that. He, he looks to me like somebody that is best playing Champions League football or international football, where it's a lot more technical, high pace. I think that suits him. Yeah. The games where teams are sitting Sit in back. deep, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure if that's his game or not. But not, not a poor player, but you know, yeah, a, a, a you. decent player. I get you. I think for me... The only thing, <clears throat> I think Harry Winks is what, 24 now? He's mm. going to be 25 this year. Um, he needs to start making big strides in the way in which he progresses uh, play because he's not a defensive <laughs> midfielder. He's not someone who's going to be um, a ball winner. Um, he's got good dribbling. I think he can, move, mm. he can move the ball at speed. And he's good in tight spaces. But ultimately, you need more than that to be, to be, to be a consistently good uh, central midfielder. And I think the one thing that's lacking in his game is his range of pass. And I've been saying to my friends, I think, I'm hoping he, and I expect that his passing will improve. But that is the difference between him being a decent player and a good player, yeah. that range of pass. Can you pick... We know that <clears throat> we know that you can receive the ball in the half turn. We know that you can have maybe two free plays within you and get out of trouble. Maybe not to Moussa Dembele's effectiveness, mm. of course, because that's, just that's a unique, through, wouldn't they? That's yeah. a unique yeah. level. Yeah. But you... You're, you're, you're nippy, you can, you can worm your way out of trouble, you're press resistant, but ultimately, the, better, the best players in world football, they're able to pick a pass and pick passes that no one can see. And mm. Dombele plays passes that no one can see. Lo Celso can play passes that no one can mm. see. Even Ericsson, 
Um, I know the fans hate him, but he can he can play passes that no yeah. one can see. Harry Winks at, at times he's too passive, and mm. for me he's not a defensive midfielder. He's a number eight. So you as a number eight, you need to be offering us a consistently good range of passing because mm. ultimately your job isn't to win the ball back regularly, not mm. not directly. Yeah. Your job is to progress play, and you can't progress play when you're passing it from side to side, side mm. to side. We've seen Harry Winks play long-range passes against Madrid. Our first goal came as a result of mm. him picking up the ball and finding Kieran Trippier with an inch-perfect pass. He crosses it and he scores. He did the same thing again with um, Kyle Capitas when we batted Bournemouth 5-0. Kyle Capitas mm. crosses the ball to Son, Sonny yeah. and, 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 and we score. So it's clear to see that he has got something in his locker with regards to a, range, to a good range of pass, but he needs to work on his game more and, and exhibit that because if he doesn't have that long term, I don't think he's going to last that space. Yeah. I don't think he yeah, will last. I agree. I agree. Um, quick prediction for that Bayern Munich game tomorrow night, or do you reckon? I think they're going to beat us. Um, I would go for 3 1 or 4 2. I think they're going to beat us. Yeah. Um, I think I can see Lewandowski starting. I think he's. <coughs> he's He's hunting for Champions League records, so mm. I think he's going to start. So that's why I reckon he'll counteract that with maybe like Alderweireld mm. and Danny Rose in defence. Bloody hell, Danny Rose, yeah, I know. Shocking this season, but... Dumb, um, isn't he? Um, yeah. I think it'd be interesting tomorrow night to see what side Bayern field as well. Because obviously we're saying about us a dead rubber. Mm. They might approach it exactly the same way and play a load of their kids. So, you know, it could be... I'd a, hope so. Yeah, it could be a game we could go and win. You, you, never, you know, one of those games is difficult to predict. Yeah, I'd love it. I'd love it. Um, Barcelona did something similar. Obviously, not to this extent, but they rested. They didn't start Messi against mm. us last year. They didn't start a few... I think Suarez was injured or something <coughs> like that last year. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> I would love for them to start some of their some of their lesser players like Alfonso Davies, um, <clears throat> um, and a few others as well. I'd love, yeah, I'd love for them to start some some of their academy. I say academy. Some of their I mean they're still decent. Aren't some they, of their youth players yeah. or some of their fringe players as well, like maybe like a Taliso or a Javi Martinez. Just make it an even contest. But I can see them playing a strong side. Yeah. They got their winter break coming up. Um, they don't really need to rest players. Uh, Lewandowski, he's a he's been a man possessed this I mean, season. His Champions scoring League. record is just. I mean, he's one of these players, Lewandowski. That I think most people are like good player, but people don't tend to put him in like the elite bracket. You look at the numbers. And I mean, his scoring record is phenomenal. Yeah. Absolutely phenomenal. He's mental. He's a. He's been him, Harry Kane, and Aguero have been, mm. and um, Aubameyang. I don't. I, I put him as an elite scorer. I wouldn't put him as a world class mm. striker because I think those three offer a bit more quality yeah. on the ball. But um, he's been up there for a good six, seven years now as yeah. an elite striker. I think the only thing that sort of let him down. In recent years, it was his inability to impact the big matches in the Champions mm. League and even um, for Poland in the yeah. in the tournaments as well. But generally, he's a he's a top draw striker. Yeah. Yeah, not bad at all. And then we follow the buying game up with uh, an away fixture at Wolves at the weekend, which would be a tough game. Very. Um, they're one point above us in the league at the moment, um, mm. so we're sitting in seventh, and they're they're above us in uh, in sixth place. Tough game. Good opposition, Wolves. They're a team for me that. Individually, I don't look at them and think, oh, I'm scared of that player, I'm scared of that player. But collectively, they're just a side that they all know the system, they know their jobs, they're just a really well-oiled machine that's difficult to play against. I agree, um, but the one thing I don't agree with is that I don't look 
is that you said that you don't look at them individually and say this player is worrying. I look at them individually and I can say this player is worrying for me. Um, Who worries you from that side? Adama Traore, um, Raul Jimenez. I mean, Traore's uh, got one of the quickest players ever in the Premier League, right? Yeah. He's rapid. I'm just fearful for what's going to happen to Jan Vertonghen because he's mm. not going to be able... He's gonna, Jan Vertonghen, uh, it's going to be important that whoever plays... Um, Whoever plays the left central midfield for us in double pivot, so whoever plays alongside Eric mm. Dyer, whether it's Sissoko, um, it looks like it's going to be Sissoko because yeah. um, Bele is still nursing his groin injury, Wings is still injured. He's going to need all the help in the world mm. because Adama Traore, he is a man mountain. He can take on three, four players. Powerful as well, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he, incredible runner. And I think Sissoko, he's exhibited these traits before where he's good at tracking runners. Yeah. He hasn't shown it um, as much as I wanted to this season, but he's good at doing that. He did that. He did a similar job against Chelsea last year for Hazard. He's, he did a similar job uh, against Raheem Sterling last mm. year as well. So I think it's time for him to step up mm. and help Vertonghen defensively. I think Raul Jimenez is going to cause our defence all sorts mm. of problems. I think Sanchez and Alderweireld are going to need to be on it on, on top form because that is one of the best strikers in the Premier League. Mm. Not because he can just score a goal, but just his all-round game. He doesn't start running. His movement, whether he's... He'll, he'll bamboos you and he'll he'll move to the left. Hotter will come into the middle and mm. he's just... It will just pick holes for your team and he's a, he's a good passer of the ball. He's a good dribbler of the ball as well. Moutinho, he's always there to find a spare man. I think we're not going to... I don't think we're going to win on Sunday. I, yeah, I'll be I, honest with you. I think, I think that game's going to end a draw. I think, well, I think it's going to end a draw. It's not to say we can't win. I think we can win and I think he's doing the right thing by resting a couple of these players so they're fresh. <coughs> but um, Wolves already qualified for the Europa League mm. so they don't really need to play a strong team. I can see him resting some of their big hitters and he's going to look forward to that game on Sunday as a good yeah. way to, to continue their good form. And I think it's going to take a lot for us to win. Mm. So it's, it'd be a pretty big statement. Draw if, we, if we could go there and win, it'll I be think perfect. That would be a real, real big statement. It'll Especially be perfect. Like, you know, like defeat to United and then bouncing back in the league with victories against Burnley Wolves. That would be a really, really good response. Who have um, I can't remember who Chelsea have got this weekend. I think I think they might have. So Burnley. we're we're six points behind Chelsea at the yeah, moment. Yeah. Um, which you know when when Josie first took over. Um, that was twelve points, so that you know that gap's closed quite a lot. They've got Bournemouth at the weekend at yeah, home, so I mean that's a win for them. That's a game you'd expect. That's them a to win. win. So we need to. So really and truly, a draw's not going to be good enough mm. for us on on Sunday. We need to be going there and winning. I hope we win, I, but I can't see it. Mm. Um, and then I mean the following weekend, that's when we've got them, go. and that is going to be a and massive I, game. And that's why I mentioned that. So if we can, if we can get a result against Wolves. Um, if we can get a result against Wolves, that sets up that game perfectly because we they come to our ground. Um, we know they're going to give us a good game. Their attack is threatening, got bags of pace, um, but their defence, we can easily get yeah. at the defence. Um, if we can cut that gap, if we can maintain <laughs> a six-point gap from now to that fixture and cut that gap to three points yeah. heading into the new year, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's a lot for grabs. I think it would give us huge momentum, wouldn't it? If it was, you know... That after that Chelsea game, it's three with three points behind them. That yeah. would, you know, that would be absolutely yeah. massive. I mean, you look at the league table; it's pretty tight. I mean, we're only only nine points behind City. We're in third. It's a pretty bonkers season, right? Like yeah, a few weeks ago, it's it, mental. Yeah. I, I can't believe I can't believe that um, we're as close as as um, 
as you just mentioned there, because after the Sheffield United game, I was like, yo, this is it. Yeah. Top four is done. Yeah. But now, not only do we look like we, we can have a shot at top four, Man United look like they can have a yeah, shot at top Yeah, they're back now, aren't they? Yeah. Arsenal, who ain't even won a game, who won their first game in almost two months, are only a point behind us. So they're in the mix now as well. And you still got Wolves and Sheffield United. Who knows how long they're going to maintain their form. You expect that they, they're going to fall away, but still, <coughs> it's, it's a long old season yeah. left. And I think... I think that's something which I need to stop doing, which is writing off teams too early because there's still so much football left to yeah. play. We had a 10-point gap in in at the start of February and by the end of March, um, we were level on points of Arsenal. Yeah. So anything can happen in football. And I think, <clears throat> I think the only certainty now um, for me in the league are that Man City, Liverpool and... Um, and uh, Leicester are going to finish top three and yeah. Liverpool are going to win the league. The rest, it's all to play for, yeah. even the relegation spots. It's, it's mad, all to isn't play it? For. It's like you have, a, you have a good couple of months or a dodgy couple of months and the expectations are completely yeah. different, aren't they? Chelsea were flying high and Lampard's done relatively well, but they're back in it now. Yeah. They've been sucked back in. It's just been, it feels like it's been a very strange season where it's like, it doesn't really feel like anyone, Liverpool included, can defend this year. It's just, you know, goals, 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 yeah. non-stop. And you mm-hmm. said there about, oh, when we play Chelsea... We can look at them and be like, we can get at their back four. They'll be sat having a similar discussion, thinking About exactly us. the same, yeah, course, won't they? Right? And it's just, it's just <laughs> mad, and especially like Spurs. I mean, we were. A- We've been a, a team for a, a couple of years under Poch where we've been all about having a solid back four yeah. and difficult to play against. It's, I mean, we've abandoned that. Yeah. Now it's just all out attack. Now it's attack. Week. Now yeah. it's literally just. Now it's literally just. Can you keep the shape and discipline that Jose Mourinho sets out? Because if you can do that leave the front four to let them do yeah. damage yeah. or even front five if you include Serge Aurier because yeah. he obviously stays quite high yeah yeah. well we'll see a quick prediction then for that Wolves game at the weekend what do you reckon there uh, I'm going for a score draw I think that'll end 2-2 um, if, I, if I had to put money on it I'd do Tottenham draw no bet yeah yeah. I'm going to go for a, an optimistic 3-1 Spurs win but, I'd love that uh, yeah I would love to see I'd that I'd love but, that uh, we'll see um, well look Pleasure having you on today. Um, again, if you haven't listened to Toby's podcast, Tap in Football, check it out. And uh, fingers crossed for some big results this week. And remember, whatever happens, future's bright, future's lily white. Come on, you Spurs. <laughs> I always thought there was very, very many people interested in football. And I always thought that football was a very important game. But I never realised until today just how important it is. Whether the Wonder Boys of White Hart Lane are or are not the team of the century can't possibly be more than a matter of opinion. Well, they're the finest team in Great Britain and one of the best in the world. We are about the glory of the game. We are about playing with style. We are Tottenham Hotspur. the ball, the billow of the net, the beating of the trap and the picking of the lock, the swiftness of thought, the lightness of touch. We are Ginola, Greaves, Klinsman. We are the collective gasp, the intake of breath, the flick, the trick, the 30-yard free kick. We are Hoddle, Mabbott and King. We are the lob, the chip, the dummy and the volley. We are the hat trick, the scissor kick. We are Bill Nick. That is schoolboy's own stuff. We 
are the outside of the boot, the inside of the net, and those seconds that last forever. Van der Vaart to level it up. Raphael van der Vaart, 2-2! It's quite a game, isn't it always? We are Jennings, Defoe and Perryman. Glory past, glory future. What was, what is, what's next? We are Blancheflower, Ardelis and Bale. We are about winning with a flourish. We are about winning with style. We are about the glory of the game. Daring to try, daring to risk, daring to dream. To dare is to do.